What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James. Welcome back to our midweek Bible study. Since we have been out for a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to do a very quick review of the book of Proverbs since we're going to start chapter 3 today. So looking back at chapter 1, you have to remember that um, Solomon, who's the author, he establishes the purpose of Proverbs, which is uh, teaching wisdom. He stresses the importance of wisdom, and he also pleads with his sons, um, and most modern translations will translate that for children, um, but he pleads with the sons to desire wisdom. Now, chapter 2 begins to talk about the benefits of wisdom and what wisdom can do for you and and how uh, you can seek it and, and the need for us to seek it. And it also talks about how wisdom can save you from evil people and immoral people. And so it's not just a matter of what wisdom can do for you as an individual, but how it can help you even in dealing with other people, as we've said many times that people are the the most unpredictable variables in our lives, that situations and circumstances kind of repeat themselves, but it's the people involved in them that are the wild cards that we can never truly predict. So in the midst of this, um, fear of the Lord is mentioned multiple times. And so in chapters 1 and 2, we have the fear of the Lord affirmed three times in those two chapters. And we're going to continue to see that affirmation throughout Scripture as we read the book of Proverbs. Also, another thing that you're going to see is that there is a uh, need for us to desire, to yearn for, and to seek wisdom. Um, wisdom is readily available for all people, even the simple-minded. There's no one who uh, is um, disqualified from receiving wisdom in any way, but we have to be willing to seek it. And only those who seek it will find it. So as we read chapter 3 today, let me just remind you that in the midst of this, um, Pastor Edmonds, uh, the former pastor at Graham, who's retired now, he uh, has said during our first week of Bible study that, you know, as you read Proverbs, you have to be careful to make sure that you're not um, banking this as a 100% promise that these are, um, that yes, if you live according to the Proverbs, then they can benefit you. But it's not necessarily saying that, okay, if you honor God with your wealth, then you're definitely going to be rich. It's like, no, there's no 100% guarantee. And uh, as we read today, we're going to talk about this a little more, but these are not promises from the Lord, but these are principles. And so while they may not be 100% guaranteed in our lives, we can be confident and live by faith that if we live according to these Proverbs, then God will honor us, and hopefully we can benefit from a lot of these principles along the way. All right, so let's read Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 10 together, and then we'll discuss it. It says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. 
Honor the Lord with all your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. All right, so I am super excited to talk about today's passage um, because it contains my favorite two verses in all of the Bible. Um, And we'll talk about those in a minute, but let's just kind of start with verse 1. You'll notice in verse 1 that Solomon implores his son to never forget what he has taught and to store his commands in their heart. Now, it's important to realize that Solomon is writing all of this uh, wisdom so that his words would be remembered and that the teaching would translate down to his children and hopefully grandchildren. But um, as he's writing this, these words... These these words have been gifted to him from the Lord. Solomon has received wisdom from God. It is a God-given gift. And so he's giving this gift to his sons. So as it may be Solomon's words, you also have to realize that these are the words from the Lord. Um, these are, in essence, God's words that he's translating down. And, and as we read them in Scripture, we believe that all of Scripture, so even the book of Proverbs, is is breathed and inspired by the very Spirit of God. And they have power and that they're holy. And if we live by them, that we can, uh, by faith, claim um, to be pleasing to God and receive the benefits of living according to these things. So as Solomon writes this, um, and he says, you know, store my commands in your heart, never forget these things, then... Um, He's actually telling you to store the commands of the Lord in your heart and to never forget them. And verse 2 says that if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Now, I want to ask you really quick, do you know what the fifth commandment is? Well, if you do, wonderful. If you don't, it's the commandment that says, honor your father and mother. And this is the only commandment that is paired with a promise. Of all the Ten Commandments, commandment number five is paired with the promise that you will live a long and full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So, should you be surprised that Solomon is teaching his sons the words of God, and he's encouraging them to remember them and to never forget them. And if you do this, then you will live a long and satisfying life. He's, he's referring to one of the commandments of honoring your father. If, if, if this son honors Solomon by remembering what he's saying and never forgetting it, then he's honoring the wishes of his father. But he's also honoring God because he's, he's remembering and holding tight to God's word. And it's a very beneficial thing, and it comes with a promise. So, um, another thing that you have to notice is, and one of the theologians wrote about this, and I really like this, is that what we're reading today, all these passages from verses 1 through 10 come with this. The first verse says, if you do this, then this will happen. And you got to remember... Um, as Pastor Edmund said earlier, it's not a matter of these things are 100% promises. There are people who know God's Word and who have lived according to God's Word and cherish God's Word who did not live a long life. And so while it may not be a 100% promise, the it's more of a principle. 
And the principle is, is that if you live according to God's word, you trust in him, you cherish it, you, you uh, store it in your heart and you never forget it, that if you do this, this will help you live a long and satisfying life. And the majority of people I know who have lived for the Lord and honored him and, and lived according to his word have lived long and satisfying lives. I've joked for the past 20-something years that the first time I came to Graham Chapel, our church, I noticed how many people there were who were old. And I'm not talking about old. I'm talking about old, old, like in their late 80s and early 90s. And we've even had um, a couple of people over the years make it to their hundreds. We actually have a lady right now who's still driving and cutting her own grass and weeding who is 100 years old. But I noticed very early on at Graham Chapel that a lot of people lived into their 90s their, and even to 100. And that was fascinating to me because no one in my family that I knew ever lived that long. And so it was intriguing and it made me want to follow Christ and honor him because I saw the people at our church who were living for the Lord and they were honoring Christ and they were living long and satisfying lives. And that's really important. So, but just remembering that, you know, I may not live a long life. You know, we have several people right now in their 90s and like I said, one lady in her hundreds and I may not make it that long, but it doesn't change the fact that I believe that living according to God's word is the right thing to do. And that if I do this by principle, I could be blessed and benefit from having a long life. So I really like the idea of understanding that these things are principles and they're not necessarily promises. And that gives us a very different perspective on it. So know that God can bless and reward and guide, but it doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. Okay. Um, these are just basic principles that if you live for the Lord, um, that there are benefits from it, but nothing is guaranteed 100%. So, all right, let's move on. Now, one of the most common themes that we've mentioned appears in Proverbs is how to deal with relationships. And um, your relationships with God and people are very important, and this book gives great advice on how to deal with those. Now, verses 3 and 4 actually address both. Loyalty and kindness are important. <clears throat> and they should be in our lives in, in such a way that they hang from our body or that they're written on the very being of who we are. And if you live by loyalty and kindness, you will find favor with God and with people. So um, those are great characteristics of a Christian. Loyalty and kindness are something that's very rare, especially today. And it's qualities that we really want and appreciate from other people, but a lot of times we neglect to give them to everyone. And it's not always easy to give these qualities to other people because as as individuals, it's not always easy to love and to be kind to and to be merciful to certain people. So in the midst of that, to understand that um, living by loyalty and kindness uh, in that we find favor with God and we find favor with other people. And so if you do this, it'll give you a good reputation by principle. Now, one of the things we talked about in our Bible study last night uh, with our church group is that, you know, um, the goal isn't to have a good reputation, but the goal should be to <clears throat> please God. And in the midst of that, um, eventually you do have a good reputation. But one of the things that I noticed early on being a Christian is that as I begin to live for God, 
it was not very pleasing to other people. And so, while I may have been pushed away at certain times, um, and I lost a lot of relationships as a result of turning to Christ and turning away from the worldly things, um, while people may not have felt fondly of me in the beginning because I was changing and I was inevitably leaving them behind because I was following a new path for my life, and that's the path of Christ, that over the years, I have developed a good reputation, even with those people that I left behind. They know that if they need something or need me, that, that I'm there, that that I will always be there. I will, even though we may not have hung out or we may not have kept that friendship over the years, I will always be their friend. I will always be there and available to them. And, and my reputation in the community, I hope, as far as I know, has been good. And it has provided um, many opportunities for friendships and business opportunities and trust and, and etc. And there are many things in life that we benefit from a good reputation. But we have to remember in the midst of this, our goal is not to have a good reputation. Our goal is, is to be pleasing to the Lord. God wants us to live by loyalty and kindness. And in the midst of living with loyalty and kindness, we're pleasing to God. We um, develop good relationships with other people, and in that, we develop a good reputation. Now, it is important to notice that God values loyalty and kindness. He, God loves people who are good and honest, and He loves people who love Him, and He loves people who loves His own children. And... Um, I don't know about y'all, but I think about with my own kids <clears throat> how much I love and appreciate uh, the people who are present in my family's lives who are good to my children. And that makes me so much appreciative of them, and it makes me value them so much more. And so um, it means so much to us as individuals when people are good to our kids. Think about how much more it means to God when we are good to His children, even times whenever they don't deserve it. And so God takes notice of that, and we have to believe that and have faith. Now, verses 5 and 6 are the two verses I was talking about. I'm pretty sure I spoke about this several weeks ago as we begin the book of Proverbs, but they are very simple and very self-explanatory. I don't have to dive into explaining uh, Proverbs 5 and 6. But the reason why I like them so much is because they are simple. And when I got saved as a 16-year-old, I was unfamiliar with church. I was unfamiliar with what it meant to really be a Christian. I had always claimed to be a Christian, but I was not a Christian. And I didn't live according to the principles of Christ or the Word of Christ. So once I got saved and I realized there was something lacking in my life, I just didn't know how to live for God and how to please Him. And it was a bit overwhelming. I didn't think I would ever get there. I didn't think I would ever get to the point where I could be pleasing to Christ. But when a Clemson baseball player signed a baseball and, and wrote this, these two verses on there, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I looked it up, and I just remember thinking uh, at that age of how amazing those verses were because they were so simple and they were so easy to understand, and I couldn't understand a lot of what I was reading in Scripture at that time. But I really believe that, man, If so if I live for the Lord, if I trust in Him, and I don't depend on myself, but I depend on Him, He will work these things out for me. And 23 years later, 
I can tell you with absolute honesty that these two verses have not let me down. That while they may not necessarily have been a 100% guaranteed promise, they are a principle that has proven true in my life time and time and time again. And I'm very thankful for them. I'm very thankful for how simple and simplistic they were. I'm very thankful for how easy it was to understand. And I'm very thankful for how efficient it has been in simply trusting in God and giving myself to Him when I just didn't know what was going on or what to do. So, you look at verses 7 and 8, and they feed into this whole idea of being humble and once again fearing the Lord. So there you see that, that in three chapters we have seen four times that we should fear the Lord. And that fear has been affirmed over and over and over. So we don't rely on ourselves, but we fear God. And if we do this, uh, then we will have healing and strength. Once again, you see this principle that if we don't rely on ourselves and we fear the Lord, there is a, a principle that we will have healing and strength for our bodies and our souls. And this is what it means to honor God with our life. It's not an absolute promise, but it's a principle. And we have to have faith in this. Like You have to step out on faith and say, well, I don't know if I want to do this if this is not guaranteed. Well, the truth is, is that there's nothing guaranteed. And so in this life, you know, you, you can live by the principles and, and the promises of God because there are promises like eternal life and, and things like that. But we just don't know how life is going to work out. We don't know what's going to come our way in future times. But in the midst of serving God, we can believe that He's going to work all these things out for His glory and honor and also for our benefit, whether it be in this world or in eternity. And so we just step out on faith and we live by faith. And so verses 9 and 10 are other examples of that principled living, honoring God with everything, even our wealth, is important. And Solomon was someone who had ridiculous amounts of wealth in many different forms. And he saw the importance of honoring God with wealth. And in that, he saw God continuing to honor and bless him. And so he's able to write all these things from personal experience. If you honor God, then God will do this. And this is what he has experienced in his life. Solomon was a very blessed man. And so he's writing from his own experience what God has revealed true. These are testimonies, in a sense, of Solomon's life, that of what he has done and how he's seen God bless him for it. And I just want to share with you, and I've said this a bunch of times, but I've never met a true Christian uh, that would not testify to honoring God with what they have and God not giving them everything they need. All the people I know may not be filthy rich and they may not be millionaires or billionaires, but I'm telling you, I know a lot of really good Christian people and they will testify over and over and over again how God has always provided every single thing that they need. All right? Well, let's read verses 11 through 18 and we'll finish up for today. It says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when He corrects you. For the Lord corrects those He loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, for the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. 
Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths, and all her ways are satisfying. <clears throat> Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. All right, so verses 11 and 12 are also some of my favorite verses as uh, one of the most passionate aspects of of Christianity that I have found uh, affirmed over and over again is discipline. Discipline is very, it, it's a wiry subject because it's a word that many people despise and yet it is, it's the people who have been disciplined that do the most amazing things in this life. Discipline can be a noun or a verb, and most people think about discipline as being uh, punishment. Uh, we, we think about it as, well, you're just punishing me because I didn't do what you wanted me to do. And most people despise the word discipline because of that. But if you think about it, the people that we admire the most in this life are the ones who are extremely disciplined. People like Billy Graham, Mother Teresa. Um, scientists, athletes, all these people who do these amazing things. So I, I, I want to note here that there are spiritually disciplined people and then there are physically disciplined people. But you look at professional athletes who are some of the most celebrated people in our culture. They are some of the most disciplined people on earth. They live their entire lives surrounding what they do. They diet, they exercise, they work out, they lift weights. They um, do repetitive motions, repetitive drills, repetitive training over and over and over again. And then they spend, I think it, LeBron James spends like over a million dollars a year on a uh, personal uh, chef who cooks him specific foods to, to keep his body in the best shape possible. I mean, these people are the most disciplined people on earth. And in that, we admire them. Yet, <clears throat> when you look at discipline in our culture, we are full of, of a culture of people that is undisciplined. We don't eat well. We don't exercise well. We don't uh, live according to discipline in our spiritual lives well. So, we neglect reading scripture. We neglect prayer. We neglect uh, church uh, involvement. We neglect... So many things when it comes to to Christ. So many things when it comes to this world. We uh, we're, we're not disciplined with our money. We're not disciplined when it comes to um, our time, our management of time. There's so many things in our lives and in our culture that we're just so undisciplined with. And it's probably one of the reasons why we admire disciplined people so much is because we lack it in our own life. Well, Scripture affirms discipline over and over again, both as a, a form of punishment, but also as a way of life. And in fact, I would dare say that it is very difficult to be an effective and uh, powerful and uh, just uh, a Christian in any way without having discipline in your life. Um we should never reject discipline, especially God's discipline. And if we experience discipline from the Lord, it means that He loves us and He delights in us. And that's what Solomon is saying. Um, <clears throat> it's one of the reasons why I'm so hard on my kids because 
I love them and I know how smart they are and how capable they are. And I know that God can can do amazing and wonderful things in their life. And I know that they will be able to accomplish amazing and wonderful things if they are driven and if they desire it and if they choose that. And so as they grow up in this life, I don't want them to reach the age of adulthood and feel like, man, if my father had not pushed me or encouraged me, um, if they would have done that, I could have done more. I, I want them to say, man, like, I look back on I'm so glad that my father pushed me and, and disciplined me and challenged me and encouraged me to do more because I, I, I could do more than even what I thought I was capable of. And I think that's the whole aspect of it is, is that as believers in Christ, as followers of God, we are much more capable of honoring God and serving Him than we realize. And the Lord disciplines us and teaches us in things to get us to become better followers of Him to help us grow. So, discipline comes from love, okay? We should never reject it or be upset, but we should accept it because God disciplines people that He loves just as parents discipline their children that they love. And if you don't get disciplined, it means that you're not loved. So, we should... Welcome discipline into our lives. We should we should strive to be disciplined people, but we should also um, be glad when we receive discipline from the Lord because it means that He loves us. Now, as we finish up today um, with this last section, verses thirteen through eighteen, a person that finds wisdom is joyful, and you need to understand that because it's valuable. It's more profitable than silver, better than gold. It's more precious than rubies, and nothing you could ever desire compares to her. And you're talking about a man who probably had more access to wealth than maybe anyone in the history of our world. It, it says in Scripture that in the days of Solomon, silver was so plentiful that it had no value whatsoever. And you have to remember this um, as principles. Okay, not promises, but principles. Wisdom. She, referred to in the feminine term in, the, in these verses, offers you a long life in her right hand, riches and honor in her left. She'll guide you down delightful paths, and she'll satisfy you. She's a tree of life. All right, She provides life. And as Solomon is sitting here and he's writing this to his sons, and he's trying to get them to understand, if you have wisdom... You can get everything else. Even for Solomon, whenever God offered him anything that you want, ask it. And Solomon asked for wisdom. God said, because you didn't ask for the other stuff, I'll give you all the other stuff. And so Solomon has realized that if you have wisdom and if you have God's wisdom, you can get wealth. You can get the, the treasures and you can, you can have long life. You can have all the things that you want if you have wisdom. If you live according to those principles, the chances of you receiving the benefits of those principles is very high. And so as we're talking about serving the Lord, and as we're talking about living for Him, we just have to have faith that God wants to be with us and bless us and, and help us to experience the benefits of these principles that He's given every single one of us in Scripture. Remember, wisdom cries out. She wants people to find her, even the simple-minded. She's available to anyone who will seek her, and the benefits from the principles of it are also available. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for everything you've given us. God, be with us. Keep us safe and help us to serve you in all we do. 
Help us to seek out wisdom as we seek your face and help us to benefit from the principles that we've been taught in this passage. We love you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. We would love to see you on campus, but if you can't make it, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast. Have a great week.